Mama's gonna grow a garden in our backyard She's gonna watch those flowers bloom She waters them every night Tucks me in tight Love this garden in my backyard Sad a taste of a juicy peach Laugh when she saw those juices all over me. Sticky hands and dirty feet. I love this garden my mama keeps. Give it love and watch it grow. Learn to be proud of the seed you sow. Take your time. Listen to trees. it grow. Life is fast. Take it slow. Take your time. Listen to the tree. These are the lessons a garden taught me. If the soil's tough, keep digging. If the rain don't come, keep with it. If the sun don't shine, pray for it. This life was meant for growing. Hey, 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 hey! Good evening. It's your host, Freddie, once again. This is the Not Necessarily Podcast. Man, I'm just feeling it tonight. I mean, they got plant-based everything these days. Plant-based burgers, plant-based chicken wings. I mean, plant-based hot dogs, that's a fact. Why not play some plant-based music? That was a, a garden taught me. By Leah Keen, some white girl. It's great. I think she plays the ukulele on it. I just play my three-quarter inch Yamaha nylon string guitar. Doing what I gotta do. But I love that song. I never really heard a song like that. Usually songs that have good lyrics like that. Make no mistake, they're about other things. Like, uh, I don't know, politics, poverty, or just braggadocious lyrics that are good. You know, but... That has great lyrics that I could relate to about gardening. I love gardening. And this, make no mistake, this is the gardening episode. Let me sip some life-giving liquid. Water them every night. (laughs) So yeah, man, I'm going to talk about plants. I'm going to talk about animals because that's what I do. I'm a a, um, two-leg walking, two-lip talking like I said, one tongue speaking, two lungs breathing, blue blood bleeding, nine month breathing, etc., etc. Bonobo, chimpanzee, kin, Homo sapien. I'm gonna go to my wine. This is this is a poem. This one's called "Wine to Go with My Tears," inspired by my recent trip to California uh, to stay on a farm. Here goes. <sighs> Rose grapes scream hooray in the rain. Cactus, rabbits, and cabbage the same. The sky, the sprinkler, the hose, it varies. The drought-tolerant aloe and rosemary. Rest in peace, the tilapia I had to go bury. The driest year in a decade is so scary. Precipitation, duration, 15 minutes long. In the past month, but the cycle is still strong. Dry and wet, a baby's first breath, life and death. The player, the coach, the spectator, the ref. 
April showers bring May flowers as the consequence. Seasons flow hot to cold, babies grow as impermanence. The wolf, the eagle, the king of the jungle too. Search and kill is an instinct and hunger too. Nature is not evil is the uncomfortable truth. Mother Earth, I love you, I'm here for you, I'm one with you. Thank you for the life-giving liquid all praises do. Concerns for your well-being, I'll raise a few. Chickens, I'll raise a few, skipping the lazy food. Rage-free hen's eggs, they'll lay them blue. The 15 minutes of rain stroke the plant's egos. The lemon spinach and avocado tree are good amigos. This marks the spring, crickets start to sing. The wildfires take a break from sparking things. Yeah, man, staying on the ranch in California, man. I stayed on uh, a ranch, so it was like a big, uh, it wasn't that big, it was like only four acres, and make no mistake, it seemed a lot smaller because a lot of it was forest, and we didn't really, the only reason I would go to those parts of the ranch was just to climb trees and name them and just sit there and meditate and uh, connect with the tree and feel it and talk to it. Listen to the, all right, all right. So, yeah, and California was so dry, it was quite ridiculous. It only rained like one time in my three weeks there. It's freaking crazy, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, made me grateful for the rain. Here in New Jersey, I mean, when it rains, it's like annoying. It's like freezing, and we don't really think about it. Like, I'm gardening over here in a couple different community gardens, and sometimes you don't even have, we go a whole week without even having to water. And then even weeding, it's like, ah, eh, we get lazy and we don't even have to weed. It's just we let nature do its thing. But we could let nature do its thing in California, but not necessarily because it's so dry sometimes. Things die sometimes. I mean, that's why it's good to wherever you go, ask, ask questions and learn traditions and listen. And, and really, like, you know, get what people do over there because... Because, like like I said, the drought in the poem, the drought-tolerant aloe vera and rosemary, those things were growing in abundance all over the all over the place. All over the ranch, you just see rosemary, like, oh, there it is, you know. Just everywhere growing like grass. And so every place, every uh, environment has its own climate, has its own things that grow easily. It's good to ask questions. It's good to learn. You only learn by going there. I mean, I guess I could... Could have went on the internet, what grows easily in California? But, you know, it's nothing compared to actually being there, actually experiencing it, seeing things die, seeing things thrive. So, that's what it was. So, I mean, I did go to California recently. I'll talk a little bit about that. It came around because, uh, well, during the pandemic, I got really into, like, a whole bunch of plant-based research and veganism and studying environmental awareness and stuff. And uh, well, this all started when I was in Colombia in 2020. I went for three weeks to go like backpacking and just travel the country, like try to explore my roots, see my family, just live my life. And uh, I rode a horse towards the end of my three week stay in Rio Negro somewhere. They have like, you know, horse, horseback riding. And uh, yeah, it was quite inspiring. I mean, the horse I was riding was a mancito. That's what they call it. It was like very slow. Uh, they would be like, oh, eh, and I was like, what does mancito mean? ¿Qué es eso? And they were like, oh, es que es un huevón. And I'm like, enough said, meaning like he's a softy, he's a, he's a little bitch or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> es un huevón. It's like, yeah, he's soft. 
so he was going really slow. As the other horses were, I mean, there was no horse going fast, as far as I could see. We were going in a group together. And, uh, yeah, my horse was pretty cool, like, you know, stopped to take a huge shit, of course, and then, and then one time just stopped and breathed real deep, real heavy, like, like if he was at the doctor telling him to breathe, like, and I was like, wow, that was a big breath, like, so similar to when I have to take a deep breath, I just, I could just feel him, I could feel what he was feeling, and I could feel the tiredness of carrying another motherfucker on your back, and I'm like, damn. But yeah, he stopped to eat this fresh green grass one time. And that's really, that moment right there sparked everything, if I'm telling the truth. Sometimes the littlest things can get you thinking. And that got me thinking. I said, damn, this, 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 this machine of an animal doesn't eat milk or doesn't drink milk, doesn't eat eggs, doesn't eat meat. There's no way it does. I mean, I don't know much, but I'm not the you know, highest grade of weed in the dispensary, but... Looks like horses eat fucking grass. That's what they eat. And they're like machines. And how are they? They're plant-based kids, you know? I didn't even know what the word plant-based was back then. But I can assure you, my mind was thinking along those lines. Like, plants. It only eats plant, only eats grass. I need to... This is, there must be more to this. Like, why have I all my life eaten milk, eggs, cheese, meats and uh, animal products and i'm nowhere near as strong as this kid right here i mean obviously we're different species but but this this has to be some more to this grass to this to this greens to these plants so when i came back from colombia i hopped straight on the internet when i came back it was march 14th monday 2020 i believe that was the date that everything was closed down that was like the first day everything was closed down for quarantine march 14th 2020 monday I remember like yesterday I hopped off the plane, everybody on the plane was wearing masks and using hella hand sanitizer and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck is up with this. And then lo and behold, but uh, I was, you know, at home at my parents' house, there was internet and um, there was internet that I could use and I was just, you know, I would spend whole entire days watching movies, wasting time, you know what I mean, jerking off as I probably talked about last episode. It was just, you know, but make no mistake, I got a lot of good stuff done. I got a lot of good research done, and I didn't waste the whole time. Like, you know, I was with a, a diabetic, my father's diabetic, and so he was trying to eat healthy. My mom was trying, was always making him good stuff. I'm, you know, proud of her for taking care of him and stuff. And uh, all we kept in the fridge were, like, fresh fruits and vegetables and nuts and, you know, and eggs did eat eggs that's the one thing but eggs are good eggs didn't you know uh my dad reversed his diabetes make no mistake i'm proud of him for that you know we don't see eye to eye and we're estranged but during the quarantine i can remember thinking wow you know that's really his story he has diabetes he was hospitalized and oh you know it was very close to having a very serious issue and then boom just like the doctor prescribed him 18 different drugs with a million probably side effects and he said no I'm good. I'm going to do my own research. And then he did his own research and became a plant-based kid and reversed his diabetes. This is a real fact. This is real life. I'm not making it up. Um, It's not something that you just see or hear on the internet. This shit really happens. So it really happened to him. So I was like, I got to be plant-based too. I don't want to end up like that, you know. No matter how much they say it's about genes, it's probably not as much about genes as people say. But still, if... You know, I have uncles that died, rest in peace, Fernando, rest in peace, Jaime, Gustavo, 
have uncles that died from cancer, lung cancer, uh, liver cancer, and uh, it's in my genes, as you would probably guess. I, I apparently, but yeah. If I start early, like right now, I'm 27. I can eat plant-based the rest of my life. I'll never have cancer. You know, that's why when people ask me, uh, <laughs> people ask me, how are you? They slap me with the magic question. My new thing is, oh, the magic question you asked me, I have an answer. I'm plant-based, so I'll never have cancer. Straight like that. I'll never have cancer. I mean, that's, that's my way of being braggadocious. That's my, my uh, barista battle rap. My barista battle rep is, I'll never have cancer. And I'm sure of it, 100%. Cancer, I read the other day in a book that I got from the ranch in California. It's called Eats Like You Give a Damn. I mean, this book was life-changing to say the least. Like It has pictures of all the animal cruelty that goes on at the slaughterhouses, at the chicken farms and all that. And it's just like scarring to look at those pictures of thousands of baby chickens being murdered. Cause, cause, for example, like if there's a breed of chicken, a breed of hen that's only that's the best breed for laying eggs, they don't need the males. They really don't. So if a male chick is born, which is obviously like half the time, like a coin flip, then th those males are just killed immediately. So there's like a uh, 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 baby male chicken holocausts that happen every second of every day, just so people can have eggs. It's quite crazy, but that's just one example. And the slaughterhouses, uh, the book talks about talks about people that worked in these slaughterhouses of pigs and that they end up being murderers or they end up going to jail for some violent crime. Cause I mean, make no mistake, it's 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 traumatic to work in a place like that. You're just killing living things all day and the pigs are very sociable almost like dogs i would not mind at all to have a pet pig I'd, i mean i was dealing with piggy wiggies on my trip as i might have mentioned i went to another ranch and there was pigs they were so cute i mean at first they were scared of me and then they warmed up to me and started sniffing my hand and then i would i would feed them and then touch them and then they'd be like okay you can you can pet me and, and those piggy wiggies man i love, <laughs> love the pigs they're so cute i freaking love them but, but I don't know how you could kill one and eat one. Uh, I was like reading that book and yeah, yeah, the people that used to work in those, that would work in those slaughterhouses, they would see a pig, for example, that's what they mentioned in the book, uh, certain situations, a, a guy confessed to what he used to do. He said he used to be in charge of killing all the pigs and then, and then sometimes he would just, he would just go crazy and just beat one to death with a pole or just, uh, just decapitate one for fun or just, you know, just mm, crazy shit, crazy shit. And that shit was like, wow, I am never eating another living animal product ever again. But I say all that to say, Lord have mercy, I got carried away. What was I saying? Um, yeah, eat like you give a damn. It's just, it's just, it's just crazy. So I became plant-based. Oh yeah, the book says, yeah, the book says all those examples. And it says cancer is just a uh, uh, vegetable and fruit deficiency disease. This is a fact. This is supported by evidence. And people don't talk about it because they want, you know, the medicine industry works very closely together with the government, which works very closely together with the school system and the media and what and you know it's all just mental conditioning growing up in this country i've been mentally conditioned to think that 
just meat and eggs and milk and cheese is just a part of a normal human diet. It's it's quite sad, S A D, the standard American diet. That's that's a term that the book Eat Like You Give a Damn uses, and it's it is quite sad. So, make no mistake. The other day it was like National Health Center Day, and I was strolling in Ironbound Newark somewhere, and I just walked past a big parade with the with the fucking inflatable, uh, bouncy water slide and all that good stuff, kids everywhere. And they had, you know, the food plate, the uh, um, um, food.gov, it said on it. It's like a little little piece of paper at this little table with a tent. And then the lady behind is like, hi, here's, you going to play with the food plate? And she had like a spinning wheel pointing to all different foods and then like uh, pictures of different foods that you could put on the plate. And then the plate, of course, it had the five main food uh, categories <laughs> had the fucking you know you know the usual what the government tries to trick you and they use imagery and they use impressionable children to condition these humans they 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 put on the plate that says a healthy plate and then dot gov and then it says dairy uh, protein and fucking you know of course vegetable grain but it puts dairy right next to the most important the, the actual food groups that you should be eating as a human, in my humble opinion. But but as evidence shows, being plant-based is much more healthy than, than thinking you're going to get away with eating from this disgusting food industry, the animal products, until you die. <laughs> it's, just not, it's just not right. But that's what it is. Um, that brings to mind a lot of things that I want to talk about, about, you know, about like uh, like tribes in Africa or Tanzania where all they eat is meat and they live very long and they're very healthy but it's just you know it's different it's different than being stuck in this food system with with you know the slaughterhouses and all this stuff and you buy a piece of chicken you don't you didn't meet the chicken you don't know where that chicken has been you don't know what that chicken went through and it's just and it's just some people would rather not know um, but yeah, uh, the, 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 let me go back to the ranch. Yeah, I, I went there because I knew about woofing. That means worldwide organic opportunities on uh, worldwide organic opportunities uh, opportunities on organic farms. Boom. So it is worldwide, but I, you know I did the USA one. Um, because immediately I said, oh, I really want to do this. Like, I really want to jump out the window. I think I could do it. I could get off from work and this and that. And, and, um, yeah. And then the first thing I thought was, yeah, I want to see Elizabeth. So my, my friend that I mentioned several times, uh, in California and Long Beach, I've been wanting to see her and I've been wanting to do this wolf thing. So why not just to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to California. I just bought the tickets and then I went on Woof and I sent them a sob story and said, ah, I need a scholarship, you know, hook me up with the $49 membership. They slapped me with it. And then uh, I hopped on and looked for hosts, looked for ranches. And then the first one I saw that looked reliable that actually responded, because a lot of them make no mistake, don't respond. Like, like I'm sure if you're on a ranch, you don't, you know, you're busy. You don't have time to be checking the internet every second, plus there might not even be signal. I know for me, I had no signal at the ranch. I mean, my phone, my, my provider is pretty shitty, so it is what it is. 
uh, first one that responded, I called back and we set it up and I was there. I was there uh, uh, fucking with the horses, scooping poop all day. I learned to appreciate a lot of things. Learned to appreciate poop in a definitely a new way. You know? Um, yeah. Fish poop, horse poop, chicken poop. They say that chicken poop is like not not uh, biologically dangerous to them. Like, like you shouldn't like clean the chicken's poop completely spotless because their poop is like some sort of um, I don't even know but uh, horse poop of course is like manure that's great except you can't plant directly into it because it's way too hot and it'll kill whatever you planted in I learned that the hard way that's a fact chicken poop great we had aquaponics uh, that was like a, a fish tank with um, plants growing on top of it cherry tomato plants there was huge yields of it every week like buckets i would be the one in charge of harvesting and uh, had a grand old time harvesting cherry tomatoes every week um yeah i got to knowing about woof through basically when i went to colombia i talked to like um, a lovely lady uh in cabo de la vela she was from spain she was just like a very laid-back type of energy and me i'm good at spotting that so so like we just connected you know very laid back she liked to travel the world she worked at a hotel back in spain and the canary islands i believe and um yeah she said woof she wants to get into wolf and i said oh what is that so i looked it up and then rob greenfield definitely talks about it a lot um well, not a lot but he definitely mentioned like there's uh, as far as ways to travel, because traveling is like an essential part of the human experience, as most as a lot of people believe, I certainly believe. So he was talking about traveling, and you don't have to be rich to travel, and this and that. And I heard that one before, but he actually said, like, "Woof, this is a good program to travel." Does he's done it in South America and Costa Rica? You can woof and uh, get to know places like that, have wonderful experiences, and just it's like a work exchange. You work at a you work at a farm. And uh, they pay you in shelter and food. No money exchange, just work exchange. And there's other websites like that, like WorkAway, uh, World Packers, things like that. So yeah, Rob Greenfield's great. I'll talk more about him later. But yeah, he's like a fucking white man's prophet, modern day Jesus, fucking Buddha. I don't know. He's great. Minimalism, he talks about uh, just environmental awareness, consumerism. Um, just anti-money things and uh, being efficient and living off the earth and connecting with nature and being barefoot and all type of shit I learned from Rob Greenfield on YouTube. I learned from a lot of a lot of different people that I'm going to talk about. But yeah, I learned how to, on my trip, I learned minimalism. I came back not giving a fuck about socks. Who gives a fuck about socks? I... I was, you know, barefoot in my boots when I needed to, but in my sandals the other half of the time. You know, when I needed to throw my boots on because I was go ride the horses, then I would throw my boots on. But, like, I got tired of socks. Like, who needs socks for? And, you know, even underwear sometimes. I'm like, nah, I just ran out of underwear, so I had no choice but to just go commando. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, that's how things change. That's how I've become more adaptable in my life. Like, um... Just when my back's against the wall and I have no other choice, I realize I don't really need what I thought I needed. And I just make shit happen. But, 
Yeah, man. If we're, uh, we're going to talk about Earth this episode and animals and plants, I said we're going to talk as if I'm more than one person. If I'm going to talk about the Earth, I might as well. I got to address Haiti. Like, that was so sad. The thing I saw in the news recently, Haiti had another earthquake, like 1,900, almost 2,000 people. Probably 2,000 by this point. People have died. It hit definitely, like, more west of Port-au-Prince near Les Cays. Not sure if I'm saying that right. Les Cays got obliterated, and they say it was, like, a magnitude stronger than fucking the 2010 one, but I guess it was just at a different location, so not as many people died as, as the 2010 earthquake. I mean, I'm making no mistake, most likely places in Haiti have not even recovered from, from the last... From, from that earthquake and there's a, a hurricane too i believe hurricane maria i certainly hope that i'm not wrong yeah i saw i mean I, sh I certainly hope i am wrong but i saw in the news there was a hurricane too recently and it's just fucked up it's just crazy uh, the poorest country in latin america imagine how the people feel about that i mean uh, just living there and not being able to get out and just on that island at any second, at any moment, on any year, on any month, at any time, an earthquake like that could happen and just fuck everything up. I want to go to Haiti. Definitely. Definitely, I want to learn about the culture of Haiti. I wouldn't mind learning Creole. Of course, I got to start now. But yeah, next summer, really considering going to Haiti, volunteering, helping out, doing what I can, doing what... Doing my part, you know, I don't want to feel important than the next man, but it's just what I feel in my heart, you know. I just want to help people, and that's, like, if I'm being honest, if I'm being true to myself, to what I believe in, to my values, if that's where it needs help, then I'm going there. I could go to fucking, I don't know, Hawaii and lay on the beach and just relax, and make no mistake, I'm going to need some relaxing time. I'm going to Colombia and visiting my family and then seeing a million prostitutes but or let me excuse me uh, sex workers but at the same time like you know yeah i need some leisure time but once that leisure time's over it's back to business like i need i have stuff that i want to accomplish things that i want to learn places i want to see and and people i want to meet and people i want to help because that's what makes me really happy i'm gonna talk more about that um Definitely, definitely. So, but yeah, the, after the Haitian, I mean, you know, all my prayers are with them. Sometimes nature seems so evil, but I don't think so. And nature is not evil. Nature is just great and powerful. Just what it is. Scary, terrifying. It's not evil. Like, uh, I'm probably going to reference the Interstellar movie a million times. Great movie. And uh, is a lion evil because it rips a gazelle to shreds? No, it's terrifying, powerful, relentless, but not evil. You know, speaking of nature, um, not being evil, uh, the United States government can be quite evil. <laughs> Talking about the um, Mauna Kea. Mauna Kea is a mountain in Hawaii. And uh, it's like sacred land to the indigenous people of Hawaii. And in 2019, the United States government wanted to build a 18-story, 30-meter, something like that, uh, telescope. 
the biggest telescope in the world, I believe it was, on this mountain, and you know, where only these types of species live there, and nowhere else where they get their clean water from, where they believe, you know, the gods are, whatever their um, religion is. They really believe it's, it's really sacred to them, this Mauna Kea. And um, yeah, I'm going to talk about the people that I listen to. So Pua Case, she's a wonderful lady. She has a, a kind of a documentary on YouTube talking about, you know, the situation and what the United States government wants to do and all that. And uh, they really, in 2019, they really stood in front of the construction. Men and women of all ages, children, they stood and laid down, laid their lives down, all for the same cause and put, put their life, like really put their well-being on it. Old people got arrested. They said, no. We're sitting right here. We're not letting the construction start. And then, of course, in 2020, the, the, the coronavirus happened and there was, there's big delays. And it's still, it's still, I believe, to this day, not decided what to do. They have not been able to proceed with that, with that telescope. And that, you know, that makes me feel so proud to be human. That makes me, it, it, you know, it gives me hope, of course, but it makes me feel strong. It gives inspiration. It made me cry when I watched this YouTube documentary and this lady's talking about talking about to the ancestors and you know together we stand, stand and we're not going nowhere like mountains. And I'm just like, damn, you know, I want to go to Hawaii, straight like that. I'm going to New Zealand, Costa Rica, Haiti, and all that good stuff, Africa. When I go to Hawaii, I'm gonna feel that energy. You know, feel that ancestral, you know, we're not going nowhere, we've been here, we're together, we need each other. We stand on what we say, we stand on what we believe in, all ten toes. I, I love that, I love that shit, I really do. Standing up for a good cause. But, yeah, I'm going to New Zealand because of bushcrafting. That's a fact. Uh, I want to go to New Zealand because, like, they it's very remote. It's like off the on the edge of the world, literally, right? <laughs> like all the way over there, and uh, they have as from the from the wolf hosts that I saw, they have bushcrafting, which is like um, I didn't know what that meant. I had to Google it, but it's just basically like living in the wild, like like being in the forest and being able to construct your own house out of the trees and a little teepee and stuff and make fires and I guess hunt and I mean I would love to do that that would be amazing for me that would be like uh, very good very healing to me like as far as my diet and patience and teaching me just good important skills too like building a thing, um, construction all that good stuff yeah it would be a great experience <laughs> yeah so but definitely I'm going to Haiti next summer for some sort of volunteering maybe coffee farms um, uh, T-E-F-L, that is like uh, teaching English as a foreign language. That's something that I could get certified for and possibly teach English. Of course, I'd have to learn Creole too. Yeah. Um, I'm also trying to go to Pamplona, Colombia. I mean, somewhere in Colombia where there's nature, like uh, I'm part of Workaway too. So Woof, uh, I, was, I still am. Woof USA, I still am a member of that. Uh, for the next eight months. It's like a year yearly membership. So I'm part of Workaway as well. It's very similar. So Workaway, mostly farms too, but also volunteering opportunities, construction, teaching. Uh, that's where I found out about TEFL, teaching English as a foreign language. 
So uh, I've been searching on Workaway for different like farms and places in Colombia. There's some places like distant, like in the Amazon. And like, uh, man, it looks so like I want to do that for at least a month next summer. Just stay on very remote place in the Amazon and use the fucking compost toilet and hunt things and, you know, harvest things and just live with family, live in harmony, meditate in the morning, play with animals and fucking just just live, climb trees, walk through the forest, meet people. Just do it. Just do it. Just just do nature just do live like a human that's what i'm passionate about you know mind expanding airplane landing tree planting traditional dancings into the ancestors chanting as uh, most recently i just found this one ranch in well farm or place i don't know ranch. i don't know what it would it's it's in it's a place it's ancestral arwaku arwaco arwaco i believe i'm saying that right uh, uh, ancestral Arhuaco land and that's a tribe and that's near Santa Marta in Colombia like the northern near the Caribbean northern of Colombia and I've heard of those people they're like one of the one of the few indigenous people that still live the way they have for thousands of years before Columbus before any of that bullshit they just lived the same way and they're still there and they uh, actually hooked up with I guess you know English speakers and made YouTube videos that you could see them on YouTube and they believe very strongly and you know obviously connection to the earth respecting the earth following following the seasons and planting on you know the necessary things just living in harmony with mother nature that's the one I mean that's the place I want to go uh, uh, Seems very attractive to. I would love to live like that. Plus, they're my ancestors. Make no mistake, I'm a Colombian kid. Like that would be so magical. But that's a fact. I'm gonna jump straight into the judgmental. Shouldn't you? I used to call it the shouldn't you be section, but I'm gonna just call it the judgmental section. You know, <laughs> because make no mistake, it shouldn't you be. It's like you know, that's just what it is. You know. Whenever you have a thought, it's natural to be judgmental, it's natural to judge. So we'll just allow a section for us to judge and then address it. It's what it is. So someone might ask me, and people have asked me, oh, you don't eat meat, milk, cheese, or eggs. What do you eat then? And to that I say, uh, everything else. I mean, fruits, nuts, seeds, cereals. All that stuff. There's so much to eat, like, you know, the vegetables. I mean, of course, uh, there's so much to eat. So, for example, today I had a baked potato with uh, uh, Newark garlic. <laughs> garlic straight from the Newark community garden. It is triple spicy. It was delicious garlic. Um, it's always better when you grow it yourself uh, with some salt. And then, of course, I had a big giant salad. And... Um, the potato, the set. that was my dinner. Uh, earlier in the day, I had the best oatmeal that I've ever had in my entire life with hemp milk with a whole bunch of seeds in it and an apple. And make no mistake, I tossed the strawberry in there. Oh, and for breakfast, I had a smoothie. Smoothie with beet powder. I'm at a, you know, so I, I have things I put in it. I like variety in my food. So I just tossed everything. I tossed some beet powder, a banana, non-dairy milk. Uh, probably I used almond milk, I believe. Uh, flax seeds, chia seeds. That is very has a lot of micronutrients. 
as a lot of, as one of the documentaries I recently saw talked about. I, have, I watch a lot of food documentaries. The most recent one I saw is uh, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dying. That's a popular one. It's on YouTube. Um, yeah, that one was great. Talked a lot about micronutrients. It's more for like rich people because um, it talks about like uh, well, it's it's a it's about it's a guy. It's personal. It's a guy's story. He's telling his story. He, he was, used to be fat, have some sort of disease, and. Um, Basically, he reversed it by eating plant-based, but by, by not eating, actually, by doing, going on a 60-day juice fast. So he juiced. Not everybody can afford a juicer and can afford to, you know, spend time going to the supermarket. Some people don't have supermarkets around them with all these things, all these mustard greens that you're juicing, spinach that you're juicing. You know, it's like, ah, people don't, people, so not everybody can afford to live like that. Not everybody lives like that. So, but but still, like you know, I come from that world. If I'm telling the truth, I come from the suburbs, and you know, yeah, I used to juice. I fuck with juicing. These days, I'm more into like just eating the things, like instead of fucking apple juice or juicing an apple or things like that or having a green juice. I'd rather just eat the actual stuff that's in it in a salad or something, you know. But yeah. Yeah, what do I eat? That's what I eat. You know, fruits, nuts, seeds. Uh, of course, I drink the life-giving liquid water. Uh, uh, potatoes. I'm big on potatoes. Vegetables. That's it. That's all you need. That's all I need. That's what makes me feel good. So, yeah. Fat, sick, and nearly dying. That was a great one. Um, definitely, I started doc watching documentaries when I was in uh, quarantine, you know. I was depressed. Of course, it was the most depressing time of my life. Probably not. It's not the first time you heard that. I mean, everyone was depressed during the quarantine. I mean, I was fucking eat overeating, but I was overeating better, taking little steps. I was instead of having ice cream, peanut butter, and jelly sandwiches with Chips Ahoy cookies, with more peanut butter and more jelly inside them, and just passing out when I'm halfway done. I was having a. Just some crackers with margarine, you know, I would just take a bowl of a jar or whatever, the whole thing of fucking margarine and some mad crackers and just, you know, I mean, go crazy. So that was plant-based technically, and but still not good. Not, I was overeating for sure. But yeah, well, it inspired me to watch a lot of food documentaries because it was at the point where I was like, all right, either my life goes this way and I become a fat slob who stays at home with his parents and just eats until he can't move. I'm going to go the other way. I really started, I started with What the Health. That's a good one. Um, what the Health, it addresses mostly the uh, connection between the food industry and the government and the food programs and school lunches and, and not just, just how, you know, for example, a yogurt container can have a breast cancer awareness thing on top of it, but but the yogurt, yogurt, it has carcinogens, can have carcinogens and could contribute to, to breast cancer it's just like how is that that's like so that was one of the main things I remember from the movie it's just like a perfect example like what the fuck yogurt contributes to breast cancer but then it has breast cancer awareness like you know the little pink ribbon on top of the yogurt thingy and that's when he said well that's when he had to look deeper it's like wow you know the, the government is behind this these types of things and school lunches and 
government programs like the cheese thing, oh, forcing cheese down your throat, cheese pizza, and the pictures that they show, the Domino's commercials with the with the stringiness and the smokiness and the double stacked cheese with the cheese on top and inside and all around the middle of it, fucking crazy. Game changers, huge. That's where I got the term plant-based from. I mean, obviously, it's a commonly used term. Plant-based burgers, plant-based chicken, plant-based music. But I didn't really use the word plant-based too much until I started watching Game Changers. They interviewed the uh, person from Game Changers on my favorite podcast, The History Hyenas. And, uh, yeah, just from the, um, Christopher Stefano. And Giannis Papas, Christopher Stefano, became a plant-based kid after that, you know? I mean, I don't even, I don't fucking know. But that's what he said. He was like, yeah, I'm a plant-based kid now, cuz I'm a cute plant-based kid. And I'm like, that's hilarious. Like, I, I'm gonna start saying that. So every every time, for example, on the ranch, I was carrying a, like, a fucking, what is that thing called? A barrel full of shit and going uphill to get, to, to get some more because the horses pooped in the driveway. The lady in charge came yelling at me, What are you doing? You're gonna hurt yourself. Why are you going uphill? Why are you going carrying shit uphill? And I'm just like, What? I didn't even think about that. Like, it was not, it's not, I carried barrels all day and I had blisters and I like, I wasn't even thinking about getting hurt <laughs> or becoming tired. And, and she would always tell me to take breaks and stuff. So then I responded to that. I said, Uh, but I'm plant based. And so that was my thing from then on. Uh, Fernando, take a break. It's so hot outside. You've been out here ripping weeds out the ground for like two hours. Yeah, but I'm playing bass. Like, let me go. Uh, Fernando, hop out of the pool. Like, you've been chopping down uh, uh, cattails from that from the man-made pool for like an hour now. Like, you know, just take a break. And I'm just like, I'm playing bass, though. I'm good. I'm not tired. But Fernando, you need a... No, I'm playing bass. That's what it is. Game Changers is great. It's the most popular documentary, I believe, uh, about veganism and plant-based things. Uh, yeah, a lot of bodybuilders on that one. They all say the similar things like, you know, Ryan, you know, the strongest animals in the animal kingdom. You never see them eating a steak, you know. Rhinos, elephants, you know. They eat plants. That's what I do. You know, people are really like huge body. You have like a 70-year-old grandpa who looks mad fit. You got the fucking world champion uh, of heavy lift, of lifting heavy things. He lifted like 1,200 pounds and carried it like 10 meters. Fucking Guinness Book of World Record people on there. It's really dramatic. It's really awesome. Got an Olympic uh, gold medalist, I believe. A track star, lovely lady. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, they really go in, you know? They really go in. And Cowspiracy. Super Size Me Too is interesting. It's about uh, the guy, what's the guy's name? I forget the guy's name. But, um, yeah, the guy from Super Size Me. We all saw Super Size Me. Everyone probably seen it in health class in high school or in some other class or just through life. And uh, Super Size Me Too exists. And that's when the guy, Morgan Spurlock, that... His name just came to me. Uh, he decides to open up his own fast food restaurant. <laughs> it's just to like show, I guess, show what the back workings are of a, of starting a thing like that. And uh, 
lo and behold, free-range chickens. He, he goes into what that means. I remember that that was the most memorable part of that documentary. Free-range don't mean shit, you know. Cage-free doesn't mean shit. Like, you, you could have a whole bunch of chickens and keep them inside, and then suddenly you'd be like, you know what, let me toss that label on there so it can sell more, and it's going to sell more. Let me toss the cage-free label on it. All I have to do is open the cage. The chickens, they're not even going to want to leave, and they don't leave. He showed that he's like he said Morgan Morgan Spurlock. He showed when the chickens became cage free, they didn't even want to leave like their cage because they're just like oh the sunlight like you know they're not used to it. So cage free don't mean shit, you know. When I was at the ranch, those chickens were cage free. Those were happy fucking chickens. They had a pecking order. Make no mistake, a lot of them were missing feathers on their ass because the mama was always pecking them off. Like she was on, she was on top of the top of the pecking order. That's where the term comes from because chickens have a pecking order. That's how they socialize. Like whoever's in charge, whoever provides the most protection, whoever provides the most warmth, whoever's the biggest and can fight the most. Sad person naturally takes charge by pecking the shit out of the other ones, and 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 the other ones are like butt hurt literally. They're just like walking around with missing feathers on their butt. So I remember seeing the one with the least amount of fat besides the mama, besides the mama chicken. We just called her oh the mama hen, and they're all female. So they all laid eggs. The eggs were bright blue, fucking amazing, and um, very happy chickens like mama hen and mama hen. And the other one, I remember, there was five of them. The other one with the least amount of feathers missing from her butt, I called her Lieutenant Luisa. Because she was like second in command, the most confident, you know what I mean? Walking around, fucking limping around, but, but I could pet her. She, that, that means when I pet her, she didn't fly away. She had the least, and she was always tight with the, with the mama hen. They would always be, she was mad confident, Lieutenant Luisa. She would... As soon as I brought the food out, she would walk straight up to me, limping and shit, and just he would eat out of my hand too. So, yeah, Lieutenant Luisa, that was the homie. And uh, chickens are mad cute. You know what I mean? Chickens are mad cute. I mean, I wouldn't want to eat one of them. They were just too cute for that. And they ate eggs all day? Like, come on, why would you, you know? So, yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah, the, the book I got from the ranch, Eat Like You Give a Damn, that really changed my outlook on, on things, on plant-based things. It was like the pictures and then it really taught, it really did compare the Holocaust to some of these food factories. And it's just like, what is the difference? If we're thinking about it logically, they're beings just like us, you know, they have two legs just like us. They have a mouth just like us, you know? Maybe not necessarily have a beak, but, but you know, you get the point, you know, one heart, two lungs, I guess, whatever the fuck, but they're beings and they feel emotions and they want to live life and they want to peck things and do what they do what they were naturally inclined to do and follow their instincts and they spend their life within a square foot, not leaving the square foot and they're like uh, overcharged with fucking steroids and, you know, they live like fucking four months max and they're made to made to lay eggs all day. That shit is like sickening. So yeah. I mean it's what it is. The Holocaust. Holocaust of chickens, man. But yeah. Oh, Planet of the Humans. That's another one. Planet of the Humans is great. Um 
basically talks about things that might seem counterintuitive. Uh, uh, that's a great title, by the way. Planet, you know, Planet of the Apes. So it's so the Planet of the Humans. Just talking about how we took over this motherfucker, you know, within the past 200,000 years. Or 15, 10,000 years, whatever. Um, yeah, solar panels. Big thing. In the Planet of the Humans. That's the new thing, right? With Tesla and renewable energy and, and lithium mines in Bolivia. Like fucking that's the new thing renewable energy so so everybody you know everybody's like yeah that's the future uh tesla is the future and and planet of the humans goes into why solar panels aren't necessarily the solution to to everything to anything it's just to make a solar panel you need like 10 million different types of elements you need to use like so much uh coal and fossil fuels that it's like you're using so many fossil fuels you might as well just have stick stuck with the fossil fuels for the energy that would have been better it really it really would be in some cases with mass amounts of solar panels like for example i'm not criticizing akon but but the thing he did with akon lighting africa like that with that amount of solar panels it's like that's a lot. <laughs> so, Planet of the Humans goes into like how making a solar panel, what goes into it, and and how like um, for example, for example, um, Max Blumenthal. He was actually interviewed on a podcast I listened to. He's a journalist. Uh, uh, he was interviewed on Green Dreamer, great podcast, and he's a journalist talking about um, how fucking um they tried to censor planet of the humans like the united states government tried to censor this because because of the partnerships and the dealings that they have and the and the you know connections that um tesla and renewable energy has with certain corporations and certain governments it's like damn this shit runs deep shit runs deep max blumenthal definitely talks about bolivia and the lithium mine that they have biggest in the world underneath their uh, uh, underneath Bolivia and uh, they recently had like a socialist indigenous president just kicked out there was a coup there was a coup by some United States backed groups and 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 then Tesla what's that guy's name what's that dickhead Elon Musk came out on Twitter and this is what Max Blumenthal talks about he basically took personal responsibility for the coup that happened in Bolivia he said yeah, we'll coup whoever we want to, exclamation point. It's like, so he just really owned up to it. He just admitted that he was the one behind it. He was the one behind this coup that happened in Bolivia to take control of these lithium mines, to have enough lithium for the future, to, to, to basically have this renewable energy thing going. So, yeah, man, a lot of interesting things. Green Dreamer's great. Uh, definitely, you know, talks about a lot of very interesting, how everything's tied together, like minimalism, anti-consumerism, connecting with nature, uh, discrimination, and farmer discrimination, and all this stuff is just connected, and Green Dreamer addresses a lot of it, um, Pua Case gets interviewed on it, uh, uh, Dr. Tim Kasser, I'm not too familiar with him, but he, t he, he talks about minimalism, anti-consumerism, and and how it's just psychological, psychological parts of it, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely know about that. I used to be very consumers myself, and then I realized I was heading down the wrong path. It's not even a path; it's just a fucking cycle. 
if you're stuck in the cycle of wanting more all the time, what makes you think that you're ever gonna hop out? You just gotta hop out when you have, when you got to, when you have the chance, or else you'll just always want more. Um, Michael Lees is a Dominican kid, and when I say Dominican, I mean from the island of Dominica. He's from there, and uh, he has um, a documentary, I believe. But he, he survived a hurricane in Dominica when he decided to go out there for like six months and live with nature. All he had was like his camera and the pocket knife and just just living on the island just by himself in nature. A hurricane decided to strike while he was there. Uh, category five and he survived it. Uh, he got lucky. He talks about it. And uh, just listening to a guy like that is very inspiring to me. He inspires me to, to not jump, to not shy away from jumping out the window, meaning like to take risks in life. He really just packed up all his stuff and, and wherever he was, in, I believe he said he was in going to college in the United States. He just decided to say, you know, fuck it. I want to do what I want to do. I live one, you only live once. I'm doing it. I'm going to Dominica. I'm being with nature and I'm just going to do it. That's very inspiring. Um... Make no mistake, that seems to be the path that my life's taking. I'm, I'm going to jump out the window in a year. I'm going to really travel. I'm going to really go to Colombia and then, and then stay remotely somewhere, connect with my ancestors, just do real shit. Do real, real shit. Real, you know, instead of, instead of having the most important time in my life being when I scored a fucking stupid-ass soccer goal in high school for the varsity team and then we tied it up one-to-one. -one. Who gives a fuck? Right, um, the Asian dude on Joe Rogan probably smell out of Asian dudes, but that one David Choi, David Cho, Cho or whatever the fuck, he's an interesting guy. I believe he has a podcast. He's very, very. He talks about uh being in Tanzania and going hunting with the people of Tanzania and living with them and and the things he learned from them. It's just crazy. Uh, he talks about how like uh like uh. They would be looking at him like, what? He never hunted before? Like, and he's like, no, of course I've never hunted before. I get my food from the supermarket. The Tanzanian people, through the translators, of course, they have to translate to like another language, to Swahili and then to Hadze. And then they'd be like, what's a supermarket? <laughs> and then like, you know what I mean? Like they really, um, he talks about in Tanzania, there's like an elder dude there telling stories, like a really like older dude from back then, like he's, I guess, 70 or 80. And so in his lifetime, he's seen it go from like a buffet of animals. That's what he said, like like animals everywhere. You would wake up in the morning, not have to worry about what am I going to eat because you could just kill anything you want. You could have whatever, whatever you want. And that's what they're, they're, they're not plant-based kids. That's what I was talking about earlier. These kids, they, they, they hunt every day, and that's what their diet primarily consists of. And make no mistake, they have, like, the healthiest biome on the planet. People, scientists come and steal their shit just to steal their poop, their excrement, just to study it and just to have the biome, you know? And, uh, I mean, that's just what it is. And nothing's black and white, you know? Make no mistake, I'm plant-based because the food industry sucks here, and, and I never really know what my... If I'm eating chicken, what the chicken's been through, and it's weird, and, and plants make me feel better, and that's just what it is. But if I was living in another culture at another time with an, with eating animals in another way, I would follow suit. You know, it's just you know, 
we were hunter-gatherers. Humans were hunter-gatherers for the longest, way longer than we were having supermarkets. So, if I had to default to eating meat every day and spend time with some Tanzanians and go hunting, I would definitely be about about it. But, yeah, man. The guy, David Cho, he was talking to them and said something like, uh, to the effect of, Man, y'all are like supermodels. Y'all are like physically fit. Y'all, you know, skinny kids. I should take y'all to America and we can make a lot of money. Y'all could be models. And he's like half joking, but they're like, why would we want to go to America? That's what the translator said that they said. And, and then they followed that up with, isn't that the place where people jump off those tall buildings? And then... Like, you know what I mean? They just have this perception of America, of Americans being depressed, of of there being so much stress in this life. And why would they want to leave? Why? They were really confused when he asked that, like, no, we're not leaving. Like, this is life. This is, this is how we live. And uh, they're happy. You know? They're happy. Trying to explain suicide to them. David Cho was trying to, you know, explain them. They're like, what? <laughs> It's crazy. But yeah, man, I mean, global warming, shit like that, ice caps melting, shit is real. The fucking, fucking cowspiracy documentary definitely talks about it, like, like cows, like, for, for the beef industry, it's just like, uh, they need so much land to, to, to have the cows graze, and so much extra land to grow corn to feed the cows, which is not even the natural food that they eat, but it's the most efficient food that can be used to feed them to mass produce beef. And it's just like all this like land times land times land, and then water, all the water that you're using for the cows, for the corn, so much water that rivers are running dry, you know, taking water from, from places that you're not supposed to take water from, lakes running dry and shit. and. Uh, yeah, make no mistake, like, that's not the only example of somebody saying the world has changed, like, uh, the elder, the elder Tanzanian dude, you know, there used to be so many animals to choose from, they used to be just living life in connection with the earth, like, no, no problems, now, now they have to chase down baboons, that's their food, like, that's the, that's what David Cho said that they were eating when he went to hunt with them, they were hunting baboons, so they would be staying in the cave, you know, overnight with the tribe, and in another cave across the mountain, it'd be a whole bunch of baboons. It's like, it's like, they're primates, they're my cousins, like, damn, that's what he talks about. Like, it was like, they look human. We're hunting things that look human, and make no mistake, they taste disgusting. So, yeah, David Attenborough, he's another one that he's like, what, 93 years old, and he has a Netflix thing. Uh, it's called His Life Statement, I, be, I believe it's called My Life Statement. And uh, in, in 80 years, in, or, or well, in 93, since 1937, he's seen the world change so drastically, so dramatically. He's seen, you know, rivers dried up. He's seen places be discovered that weren't discovered before. He's seen extinction rates, you know, multiplied by 10, by 100, by 1,000. I believe it's like 100 years ago, it was like an extinction uh, um um, not rate, uh, species extinct of like a hundred per, per year or something. And now it's like a thousand. And, uh, 
Yeah, David Attenborough says we're, we're headed towards the sixth extinction level event. You know, the first one, you know, for one through five, were probably like, you know, some volcanic eruptions or what the uh, fucking meteors and, um, you know, the dinosaurs. That was a big extinction level event. You know, other things, but this one is going to be human intervention, mass extinction level event. Number six, that's what it is. And he goes into detail about, it's not about saving the earth. A lot of people want to toss those words around. For example, uh, like uh, if I'm making a coffee and I'm using a carton of oat milk, it says, save the planet, you know, use oats and, you know, a whole bunch of other goofy shit that they write on the oatly oat milk. Uh, it's not about saving the planet. The planet's going to be fine. He, he, David Attenborough does the documentary from Chernobyl. Chernobyl if if you don't know what Chernobyl is, that's a place in Ukraine. It was a city. It was a city. I, I don't know what when it got blown up, but um, there was like some some um, what is it? Uh, atomic science going on. Uh, some atomic science. They were trying to like design some sort of bomb or something, and, and there was a lot of radioactivity and a big mistake. A big accident happened, and the entire city had to be evacuated. And, and still nobody lives there because of the radiation that's still going on from from the uh, from that uh, mistake that accident whoops and um, but David you could still go there it's just a little risky from the radioactivity so he goes there and he stands in the middle of Chernobyl and and it's been taken over by nature there's animals there's deer running around and there's fucking plants climbing up the walls there's vines everything nature has just taken over all the buildings are reduced to fucking, you know, broken down walls standing up, you know. And uh, he he got he said he does it from there to make a point. Earth is gonna nature is always gonna always gonna be a fine. It's always gonna work out, and it's always gonna take over. So the earth is not in question. It's just motherfuckers that's on the earth, humans. He goes into how we have like 80 years left before mass suffocation. And he like does it like 20, 20 years at a time. In 20 years, there will be, uh, uh, you know, the earth will be tired and the, the crops will stop growing like they used to. And there will be large amounts of, 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 of farmland that will be unusable. And then 40 years, there will be rivers dried up and then more farmland not usable. 60 years, there will be uh, suffocation of or homelessness of a lot of people because of this and that and the economy and, and, you know, the earth again and fires. And then 80 years of fire and suffocation and you know people will start to die 80 years to 100 years we got I mean I'm just glad I mean I'm 27 so who knows who knows what the future holds this shit is crazy um yeah in the end he ends the documentary a little sketchy talking about renewable energy like I said and I already knew about you know Max Blumenthal and the planet of the humans in Bolivia and that motherfucker Elon Musk so it's just like, yeah, he has good intentions, but he ended the documentary saying, but there is hope with this renewable energy and the uh, spinning fan, no, what is the, man, the wind-powered, wind-powered things and, you know, things like that. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know everything, but I just question everything, you know. The intentions are good, though, you know. You know, whose intentions are really good is Rob Greenfield. Back to him, I mean, like, 
he does videos on YouTube, for example, one where he, he just decided to eat like an American, but keep all the trash and just wear it on himself, look like a fucking astronaut. So he had like a big ass plastic astronaut suit with, with uh, all the trash that he consumed. Every piece of trash that he needed to use, he carried it on him for like a month. And, and, and he looked like an astronaut by the end, just walking around with big ass trash all over his body. And just to show people, like, you know, this is how much waste you're creating. And yeah, yeah, he's like a white man prophet. Like, he came from a privileged family and decided to throw it all away and just live the way he just lived on a. Um, he would do these things. I believe he started in San Diego where he just lived at a person's house in the back and just decided to keep up their garden and did like a work exchange, like a long term. And he built like a tiny house on it. And now I believe he's in Orlando doing a similar thing. And uh, he makes videos about minimalism. He's like, oh, I carry only 37 things. Is like the title of one of his... And then the other video I really like was the one where he walks barefoot. Just talking about, you know, simple things. Like, yeah, humans evolved to be barefoot. Shoes are great. Sandals are great. But, but we're meant to be like this. We're meant to walk barefoot and... and build up callus and look, he has a picture where he just holds his foot up with a whole bunch of thorns in it he's smiling he doesn't feel the pain like he just ran through a bush of thorns and his foot was like you know of course i guess he had to pluck him out but he wasn't like like seriously injured or nothing he has a um, just really talks about like anti-money like he makes less than nine thousand a year on purpose so he doesn't have to pay taxes and and just just so just because like money just to stay away from from the currency the cycle of consumerism and i really admire that i really try to do that in my own life and implement that in ways that i know i can so you know obviously he's plant-based and eats garden garden things and stuff and he does another video where he grows and forages his own food for a whole year also doesn't take a shower for a whole year um <clears throat> Things like that. Very inspiring to me. I learned so much from him as far as adaptability and, you know, things like that. Man. But, yeah, food waste. Definitely talks about food waste a lot. Rob Greenfield, he was like a dumpster diver. That was another video of his. I love that. I, I actually went to the grocery store in Newark and Ironbound, Siabras, and, and asked them, asked, let me talk to the manager. I need to know if you have any leftover, like, you know what I mean, food that's that you're not selling but it's waste and then like the lady wasn't even giving a fuck about what i was saying she's like oh left oh so you're begging oh i'll be right back and then she came back with a whole bunch of like boxed food like uh art you know fucking um crackers and and expired bars and i'm like no that's not what i meant like you're not listening to me oh man i mean i didn't make no mistake this lady was pregnant so i didn't want to stress her too much but it's like, you didn't listen to a single word I said. I said, vegetables, fruits, apples, one of them bad, the rest of them good. Do you have? And then she came back with the shit. I'm like, oh my God. But yeah, like, um, it's tough. Like, I'm sure, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, that's what it is. Rob Greenfield, great, great. He's, uh, you know, I like the gardening work he does, you know. He had a part where he um, 
had like he's plant based. Like he eats and foraged and did the video where he grows and forages all his own food, but then came apart where it's like, no, I'm not vegan. I will kill something and eat something. Like he had squirrels that he was eating. He did a video on that, like population control. All oh, the squirrels were eating my this and the that in the garden, so it was very natural for me to kill them and eat them and. And it's better than getting it from the food from the supermarket. And he just addresses like any hypocrisies or any contradictions. Like you know, he is white. You know what I mean. He has come from a privileged background. He 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 preaches like humility and things like that and anti-consumerism. But he's on YouTube and he's on TV shows and stuff. So yeah, he definitely is about about it. He's really about about it. Talks about all lays it all out in your face. Here it is. You know. So, but some animals are good to have in the garden. Obviously, not a squirrel or a, a groundhog or nothing like that. They eat all the greens. They really love them some fucking micronutrients. Fucking baby kale. Like, they will eat your Swiss chard when you just plant it. Uh, you gotta put like a fence around it. You know, that's what I did in Newark. In the, um, one of the community gardens I'd be at in Newark. Uh, and I also caught a groundhog. That was kind of, you know, sad. I felt bad for the groundhog till I saw what what he was responsible for all the all the food that he ate. <laughs> you know, I was saying I grabbed the, grabbed the dude by the tail and tossed him in the trap, and then you know my boss was like, "All right, we're taking him across the river," and I'm like, "What? But 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 his family?" And then they're like. Pfft. Like, he just ate all the greens and all the okra and all of this and making himself at home and, like, killed some of the radishes, too. Why do you think he was sitting under a radish leaf, fat as fuck? And I really did. I caught him just sitting there right in front of me. I'm like, are you not going to run away? The nigga was probably mad full, like... <laughs> and so, I felt bad, like, you know. It's like a... It was so cute. Cute groundhog, but... Yeah, I can't have that. They just—they didn't kill them. They took them across the to the river and just like released them over there. I'm just, you know, I don't know. Maybe he'll be fine. Maybe not. But that's what it is. Population control. Uh, uh, cats are great. They have cats at the uh, other garden that I volunteer at in Newark, and they just eat all the rats. And you know, they might eat a squirrel, I guess. Yeah, definitely, cats eat squirrels. You know, they just. They just do the work for you, and you know, because the because the squirrels they might you know eat the seeds and stuff like that. So cats are great. When I was in um, Pala, when I was at the ranch, they had these two cats. I, I visited another farm, which was like a religious cult farm. It was like sixty-six acres, something crazy, and you know they did their little our father. That was the thing, our father this, our father that. So they were Christian mixed with Judaism, and they had their own thing going on. It was like a, it was like a cult or something. Um, so I visited them just for the just for the gardening experience, but also like why not indulge in someone else's culture? It was so weird because after all the singing and dancing in the church and the 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 nightly meetup, and I had to I got to go swinging off a rope into a pool man-made pool but i had to keep my shirt on because they were like oh we're modest so we keep our shirts on and all the girls are dressed in like long dresses not tight and i'm like all right that's interesting so but the thing that creeped me out was all the vegetable picking that i did i thought i must have picked like a hundred butternut squashes like a hundred uh, suntan tomatoes i mean uh, uh, suntan peppers and some tomatoes too 
and and you know kale and you know they have some cucumbers they have huge ones zucchinis they have everything every vegetable lettuce for days and for dinner we had like a school lunch like mashed potatoes with gravy looked like it was heating up in the microwave with fucking salad with mad dressing and it's just like with ham with like pieces of meat in it and i'm like this is disgusting why the fuck are we eating this why are we eating this so we just pick we just have all the fresh produce and we give it away sell it i mean for the money like i just don't get how it works i didn't ask questions i was just and i did eat the dinner eh, what you gonna do you know that shit was disgusting but uh, yeah back i mean there was these two cats right at the uh, at this cult farm they were so cute they were so cute they, as soon as i sat down you know what i mean they they rubbed up on my leg and stuff and and they're like like pet me pet they're like socialized differently than dogs cats do you know and i appreciate them you know like oh I'm, the name was bandit bandit was the yellow small thin skinny cat and then diego also skinny kid but gray and then i saw diego later just picking butternut squash he was just sitting right there i almost picked him up like i was like jesus christ like <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> And, uh, yeah, they just followed me. I was picking watermelons, and, and, and Bandit was right there, just giving me company. And they're cute kids. Like, they're skinny, probably because they, they don't get fed too often to encourage them to eat more rats and eat more rodents and pests. And, uh, yeah, that was, like, one of my favorite parts of the trip, to be honest, the picking the butter and the squashes. It was like I was a hunter-gatherer again because there was weeds they were like, you know, way above, they were like up to my chest and all the butternut squashes were on the ground. So it was like walking through a forest of weeds and just looking through brushing things to the side and picking up butternut, butternut squashes were everywhere. The guy said there must've been like a thousand pounds of it. And I'm just like, wow, like they really let this shit go. They really let these weeds go crazy, but it's helping with the butternut squash uh, uh, yield. I'm like, this is nature. This is really nature. Like, I'm a fucking hunter-gatherer, cuz, you know? Make no mistake, we were hunter-gatherers way longer than we were ever fucking supermarket shoppers, like I said. But, yeah, it, it might seem counterintuitive to, like, oh, because the, the guy in charge, he was like, um, he was like, you know, oh, this is what happens when you don't weed. And I'm like, this is not too bad. I'm getting hella butternut squashes. So... I, th I like to think of it like it was nature, it was just the weeds and the butternut squash working together. Like the butter, it's so dry and hot out there that I think the weeds were like providing shade and also keeping the moisture down. And there was not even pests or flies and nothing. Well, definitely no rodents because the cats, right? So it's just nature, man. Nature is amazing. You know, sometimes it can seem counterintuitive, but if you just let it go. Like, for example, manipulation of land is not always the best thing. Like, even though gardening seems so great and you get to connect with the earth and, and things like that, my favorite part was the butternut squashes because it's something that we just left alone. Let the earth do its thing and it came out amazing. So, manipulation of the earth sometimes, gardening with like all these things that the human intervention might not be the best thing. For example, the the I mean, this is like a million examples. The first one that comes to mind is like we're gardening and and farming is just completely gone wrong is the palm oil industry like in indonesia there like i believe 
David Attenborough addresses this in his documentary. It's just like it used to be so plentiful. Like you could show a picture of Burma, and and, and it used to be so green and so you know plentiful of life and fruits and nuts and seeds and a high population of orangutans and forests untouched. Now it's like eighty percent gone. And you know, I always think of that picture with that single orangutan standing on a, a naked tree with no branches in the middle of a fucking decimated acres of land. It's just like, damn, this is a, this is called monoculture. That's a monoculture. That's when you um, grow like one thing in abundance. You know, and it's not necessarily always good for the earth or good for anybody. But, yeah, yeah, shout out to Diego and Bandit, the loveliest felines. I fuck with y'all, yeah, but, yeah, I definitely understand, understand a lot more, you know, I'm a lot, gardening is great uh, for establishing humility and understanding the food system and, and like, uh, like, even today when I was eating my potato, I realized, like, how many potatoes have passed through my body? And I've never even grown one. I've never plucked one out the ground. I need to start growing potatoes for real. Like, potatoes are my favorite food. Like, I think I meant the potato fridge <laughs> episode. I named the episode after a potato. It must be my favorite, you know? I grew up on baked potatoes and with hella garlic salt. So every time I eat a baked potato, even if it's microwaved, I still taste the same. It's like... Ah, oh, so nostalgic, so delicious, so life-giving. So it's a survival crop. It's a, it's a root of truth. <laughs> That's why I called it today, the root of truth. The root of youth. Got the fountain of youth, I got the roots of youth. So, yeah, man. Once you start growing and harvesting things, it's like, wait, this is the amount of work. This is the amount of water. This is the amount of care that you need to put into something that goes in your body. It's not necessarily as easy as pulling a couple pieces of paper out of your pocket and giving them to somebody who's not even paying attention and probably got their headphones in just so you can get food. You know, not as to get it to step away from the food industry might be impossible, but it definitely helps establish, like, you know, a little bit of humility. And then there's no feeling comparable to picking a fruit and eating it right off the tree. No washing it, no nothing, get all the B12. You know, that, that might be where it's from, the B12, the biome, you know. But that, that just gives you that extra boost. I remember when I was at the ranch and I, I was hungry, middle of the day, tired. I was scooping horse shit or whatever the fuck I was doing, plucking weeds, whatever. And, uh, and I go to the plum tree, and they're not even ready yet, but I picked the most blackest one I could get, stick my nail in it. Yeah, it's ripe enough. So then I sink my teeth into it, and it gives me this huge boost of energy like whoa that's delicious whoa that's juicy whoa that's packed with energy like and i'm just like fuck i feel so much better and all i needed was that one peach i didn't even think i ate lunch that time just full of energy you know but yeah man just doing these types of things gardening volunteering it makes me feel proud like 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 i said the, the most proudest moment of my life before was scoring a stupid soccer goal, but, but now I'm being more consistently prouder and happier and more satisfied when I do things like this, like volunteer, like walk dogs for free, support my friends, 
volunteer garden, spread positivity, make people laugh, just, you know, make people feel comfortable. Uh, and, and, and I spend my time focused not on material things, but, but on immaterial things, you know. Nowadays, when people ask me the magic question, meaning when people ask me, how are you? And so a lot of times people don't really give a fuck, but I tell them anyway. And sometimes it gets a laugh out of them. But I say all that to say, careful with the, the magic words, you know? I get, I get so, so, so much um, um, fulfill, fulfilling feeling when I make other people feel good. It's, it's, it's making me, dare I say, happier and more accomplished, you know? Once I stepped out of this, this, this world of materialism, this cycle of consumerism and neediness and wanting things, I stepped into a world of comfort and giving and loving, you know? So that, I'm just speaking for myself, like, you know, there's probably a gem in there somewhere, but yeah. Yeah, there's probably never enough I could say about plants, but I love animals too. I could go on and on about animals. Like when I was at the ranch, I did go to a 36 horse farm and the, the, the three-year-old horse was my favorite. So loving. Like horses are not like dogs, not as social as dogs, but but this one was just a three-year-old horse. Like, you know, just wanted some love. And a lot of the horses I came across were just like cold and put, gave their shoulder to me. And, you know, when I pet them, they moved their head. And this, this lovely baby was like, oh, he's so, this is my favorite horse for sure. And then the goats, there was goats on this farm too. I was, the goats are all very sociable. Walk straight up to me. They will jump on your back. I, I did goat push-ups. That's a fact, you know, seven, seven goat push-ups to go on my back, you know, but you got to get the finesse the balance though. When a, when a goat first hopped on my back, I tried to go to push and the goat, goat just fell off. So then I was like, all right. Alright, I feel the hoofs. One with the goat. I feel I feel the goat slipping this way. I'm balanced, boom, get my balance right. And then I did seven push-ups and I was dead tired. I was like, oh shit, that was awesome. <laughs> the piggy wiggies, of course. And there's so many flies, like I even felt one with the flies. Laying in the laying in the fucking uh pig and, and goat pen. They were sharing space together. And and there's flies everywhere. I just, you know, and I, there was a point where I had no option but to just let them chill on my skin because I didn't want to scare the pigs away. I didn't want to scare the goats away by flinching and scratching and all that. So I was just like, man, fuck these flies, man. <laughs> but, yeah, man. That's a fact. Some animals, you know, I've had experience, scary experiences with animals too. I mean, there was one time when I was in Colombia, I ran into some wild bulls. I was on the side of the mountain, 2,000, 2000 meters above sea level, going to a coffee farm with, uh, with some kid that was showing me, a 20-year-old kid, and he's just like waving a stick at the bulls, acting crazy, like, oh, salga de aquí, maricón, cursing at the bulls, and I'm just like, whoa, I'm dead scared, like big-ass horns staring us down in the way of the path. And then like, whew, man, when they, when they ran towards us, I was like, my life's over, possibly. Quite possibly, I'm going out like a bitch because I was mad scared, but they ran right past us. They didn't want any problems. I was like, man, that's scary. But, yeah. Yeah, man, I gotta do another episode on animals. I'm fucking tired. But I think I'll mention uh, one more thing. Fucking uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's another episode on Joe Rogan that I really fuck with. 
talking about Mauna Kea. Well, first of all, he talks about dogs. Yeah, he does. I like Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's a smart kid. He's an astrophysicist. Like, you know, he has like a special five-minute segment. I, I think it, it premiered on uh, Fox or CNN or some type of uh, important uh, channel where he talks about dogs and their history in relation to humans. And I really fuck with that. Like, I love dogs and, and make no mistake, we evolved together. Uh, dogs evolved because of humans, but... But uh, I believe humans evolved because of dogs as well. It's like a evolutionary partnership, you know. There was a time when wolves, you know, there was, that's what Neil deGrasse Tyson goes into. There, like there was variance among them as far as DNA and as far as the level of cortisol in their blood and the stress hormone. Some of them would be more confident than others, and the, and those with the natural variance of, of being more relaxed, they would go up to the humans when they were dead hungry and be like, huh? Maybe some food? And then the human tossed a piece of food to him, and before you know it, there was wolves all around all the time, and they, you know, and then they would, they would change their diet, and then, you know, change environment through, through the Ice Age, and then, you know, change continents, and then, you know, they just, you know, became chihuahuas. It's just amazing, you know? these types of stories, but uh, definitely I'm going to do another episode on dogs, or, or animals in general, um, shit, there's nothing, never enough I could say about plants, but, or in the earth, and um, Neil deGrasse Tyson goes into his opinion on Mauna Kea in Hawaii, matter of fact, it's not even an opinion, it's just like, he's, he's so smart, he can present both sides to an argument, it's pretty obvious which side he's taking, but Subjective kid, a smart, only a smart person does that. Like he says, he says the way the indigenous people hold the mountain sacred, the astrophysicists hold the telescope sacred, and the knowledge of of seeing what's my, uh, 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 light years and thousands and millions of light years away in space, that's sacred to them. And I'm like, well, there's nothing I can really say to that except fuck you, but. You know, you got. I gotta respect it. I gotta respect him for laying out both sides. I'm, I'm taking the side of the indigenous peoples on this one. But, but make no mistake, we might have to leave this planet in the next eighty years. As I said, that being said, you know what I mean. Until that time, Mother Earth, I love you. I'm here for you. I'm one with you. Give us wonderful food, and we'll care for you. Not necessarily. Yes, necessarily, <laughs> but until next time, peace and love.